Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Bibles, uh, if you could stand with me, they're going to put it up on the screen. Numbers chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Numbers chapter 7 and beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both of the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them. That the princes of Israel, the heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that were, that were numbered, offered. And they brought their offering before the Lord. What did they offer? Six covered wagons and twelve oxen. A wagon for two of the princes and for each one an ox. So, and they brought them before the tabernacle. And the Lord spake unto Moses, take it of them, take these six wagons, these twelve oxen, take them that they may be used to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And thou shalt give them unto the Levites to every man according to his service. And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites. Verse 7, two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according unto their service under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Verse 9, but unto the sons of Kohath he gave no wagons. He gave none. Somebody say, no wagons for Kohath. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. They couldn't put it in a wagon. They had to carry the burden on their shoulders. Numbers chapter 4. It's my second reading. Read a few verses here. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 5. And the camp setteth forth, and Aaron shall come. And when the camp setteth forth, it, it moves. Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it, and shall put thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth holy blue, and shall put it in the staves thereof. Amen. And so my message, my lesson, I pray that it will speak to you. My lesson title today is No Wagons for Kohath. Say that with me. No Wagons for Kohath. You can be seated. Now, I don't know what level of understanding you have today concerning 
the Old Testament method of worshiping of Jehovah. But as a summary, I will give you a short picture of what they were given to do to worship God in the Old, Old Testament covenant. <clears throat> worship is a beautiful thing. Worship is a beautiful thing. And after the fall, there was a breach in the relationship between God and man. But God is, was, was and is ever reaching to minister to and through those that will hearken to his voice and yield to the drawing of his spirit. There is a desire from God, even, because we, even though we have a breach, we have trouble and trials and failures and mistakes. We, we struggle with the weakness of flesh and uh, the challenges that are in the world around us. The Lord, as Brother B.J. preached such a tremendous message on Wednesday, the Lord values a soul, and he will do whatever he can to reach a soul, no matter how broken it may be. He desires to be in fellowship with me. Somebody say with me. God desires to have fellowship with you. And in the old covenant, the, the method in which the Lord instituted was that there, that there had to be some uh, a way that, that sinful man could approach a holy God. Because of sin, uh, uh, humanity is cursed to death. They are cursed to be damned. And, and that is a reality. You don't have to study theology to see that humanity is living under a curse. It is all around us. I've heard people question, well, if God is such a God of love, how, much, how come there's so much trouble in the world? It's not God's fault. It's, it's humanity's fault. If, 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 if it was up to God, we'd all be living forever in a garden called Eden, and, and we would be uh, living the good life. And ultimately, the promise that he has provided for us after this dimension of experience of living that as we know it is past, what the Lord has promised for us is greater than Eden. Mm -hmm. So in the old covenant, the Lord the Lord laid out a manner in which, which God could dwell among his people and, and, and they could, there could be some, some redemption of sins, some remission of sins in that uh, imperfect place. And the Bible tells us that the Lord took Moses up on a mountain and he showed him, uh, he showed him what heaven looks like. And what he saw is, was be hard for him to explain, but the Lord showed him a pattern of worship that he saw in heaven, and, and he had been given the direction of how to create in a physical manner what he saw in heaven after the pattern he saw in heaven. And, and the Lord gave him specific dimension. He didn't just show it to him. He gave him measurements. And so there, there was a, a tent Around the tent there was a fence. 
And inside the fence, there was the tent, and there was an altar for sacrifice, and there was a, a large a pool or laver of water. And inside the tent, there were very holy things. And these holy things, the, the, the altar of incense, the seven-branch candlestick, the table where they put the bread on it, and inside the holiest of holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. You've probably seen pictures of what some consider made the Ark of the Covenant look like, but it was a glorious piece of art. It, and it was covered with gold. There were angels on top. And there, there was uh, all kinds of decoration. And there was a lid. And inside the ark, uh, the Lord told Moses to put the Ten Commandments. And, and he put a pot that had the manna in it. And, and he put the rod of Aaron that budded and bloomed and bore almonds. He, he, inside this holy box were these, these uh, tokens of the covenant. And so the Lord gave it to him, and, and, and after Moses, had, they, had, they, had, they had made the, the brazen uh, uh, altar, and they, they had made the brazen laver, and I believe they filled it up with water, and, and they put up the tent, and, and they set up the candlestick, and they set up the altar of incense, and they set up the table of showbread, and they put up all the curtains, they put it, and they set up the Ark of the Covenant. It's all set, but it's a tent. Say that with me. It's a tent. They didn't build a building. They set it up in a tent. Someone can say, well, why didn't they put it in a building? Because they were not where God was going to let them stay. They were in a place of transition. They were in a wilderness. And the Lord gave them this pattern and a way that they could access him even when they were not staying in the same place. Everybody say it was a tent. And after he got the tent up and all the holy furniture where, where God set up for them to uh, establish a connection and the Lord could dwell among them, the Lord moved upon the hearts of the princes and they knew this is going to have to move. And, and this is going to have to be transported. And, and the Lord stirred them up and they brought... They brought Six wagons and 12 oxen. And Gershon was given two wagons and four oxen. And Gershon would, uh, was, was uh, uh, tasked with, with carrying uh, the outer uh, uh, stuff that, that made up the, 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 uh, the tent and the fence. And uh, uh, Marera, the, the second brother, he was said uh, he was his job was to move the heavy stuff. So he got four wagons and eight oxen. But the Lord said to of Kohath, you can't give him any wagons because what he is going to be carrying must be borne on the shoulders. Of Kohath. Now I have three sons. And I can hear the discussion between the three. If I gave four wagons to Noah and eight oxen, and I gave two wagons 
to Keaton and four oxen, and I told Nate, no wagons for you. I can assure you this would not be seen as a fair equation. But I would say to you that there and this I don't I don't have to say this to you because you know this to be true. The Lord and the way that He works with us often seems to be unfair. God's goal is not fairness. Amen. We live in a country. Our our one of our uh, uh, proclamation is that all men are created equal. And I think that's a wonderful way we need to live. But it's obvious some are more we equal than others. There's some people seven foot tall. And there's other people four foot tall. There's some people, uh, they have so much athletic ability that they leave other people in the... That's not fair. Right? Come on, somebody. And, and all of us... We have been given various things that are how we were made. We were born in different homes. Some people have been born in homes and raised with a silver spoon and, 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 and everything was lovely and good. And some people have been born in the worst of circumstances. And many of us can look and say, well, that's not fair. Welcome to real life. Can somebody say amen? amen? And so the Lord, in among these three brothers born of the same father, the Lord said, you don't get any wagons. But the reason was because the responsibility that he was to carry was the most glorious parts of the tabernacle. It was the golden uh, labor of of. Uh, of intercession. It was the golden uh, uh, seven branch candlesticks. It was the table of showbread and it was the Ark of the Covenant. These, these pieces of, of, of beautiful holy furniture in each one of them there were golden rings attached to their creation. And in through those golden rings the Lord said you will put staves through those rings. So you have a ring here and you have a ring here and there's a, a stick or a, a stave and you would put, put it through those two rings on both sides. And the way it was to be transported is, is four men would get up underneath that stave and they would have to stand up with it, pick it up and move it step by step by step. How, we go, how far are we going today? As far as we can walk. So that I can just see the, the Kohath and his sons there, you know, that they're carrying this burden. And, and, and I can just see the brothers as they drive by. Hey, giddy up, giddy up, go. Uh, head them up, head them out, roll high. I just hear the, the old uh, wagons uh, jingling along. Hey, 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 brothers of Kohath, how y'all doing? Can y'all see that? And I, I think it is interesting to consider that, that one of the most glorious pieces of furniture they were to carry, the Bible says, that it was to be covered over. I know we see these pictures of, of the Ark of the Covenant being out in public, but God's 
intent was the only people that would ever see the Ark of the Covenant would be the sons of Kohath. Because, because in, in the holiest of holy place, there was no light in the holiest of holy place. In the outside, it was lit by the sun, and the holy place was lit by the candlesticks. But in the holiest of holies, there was no natural light. So the only ones that would ever see what was in the holiest of holies with natural light would be the sons of Kohath. And the Bible says the Lord commanded them to cover it with a covering that was completely blue, wrapped it up in the blues. Come on, say, say, my burden sometimes gives me the blues. And that was their burden. And everywhere they moved and ministered to take it from one place to the other, while some rode in wagons, they had to carry their burden of blue everywhere they went, and no one could see what it was that was on their shoulders. Why? Why? I would say to you that God did not want the most holy things to be damaged by the bumps in the road or the breaking of the wheels. God wanted human shock absorbers of men to bear up and carry out the holy work of God. And on the surface to the observers of the scene, what may be weighing on you in your life may really look like you are carrying the blues. But however, underneath the covering of blue, there is glory. Is it heavy? Yes. Is there responsibility? Yes. But is there glory? Yes. Yes, yes, there's glory in the burden to carry the burden of God upon our shoulders. It is something the Lord has thrust upon us. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's that mean? It means that inside of our vessels of clay and earth, these human vessels that are imperfect and, and that struggle and may not uh, always have the best uh, uh, performance and may not always accomplish what we desire. Inside the earthen vessels, there is a treasure. There is something that is holy from God. And we must recognize and rejoice in the fact that what God has given us access to, amen, it may be undercover. To the, to, to the eyes on the outside but we have seen something we have felt something we know some things that our outward experience and those watching may not fully appreciate can somebody say praise the Lord, praise the Lord. amen and while some are riding in wagons you may feel like you're weighted down and you may wonder, why is it, Lord, it is moving so slow? Why is it the weight is so heavy? It could be that you are simply a child of Kohath. And what God has given you is greater than you may fully appreciate. But because of the burden, the Lord is and has given you access to the glory. Amen. Can we just raise our hands right here in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
You know, uh, we are here today, no doubt, because there have been countless unknown souls that labored and do labor in unappreciated ways. It might be in faithful giving. It might be in janitorial services. It might be the simple of carrying, working, sweating uh, out in prayer and, 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 and reaching out and encouraging. And, and many times the most uh, impactful things do not happen on the stage and are not captured on social media. They're not even put in a frame to hang on the wall. Some of the most consequential things that happen in our lives, in our walk with God, are accomplished through simple souls that will hear and obey the call of God to reach out and help someone, encourage someone. Because I'm telling you today, the sons of Kohath could not accomplish what God gave them to accomplish by themselves. Amen. You know, if you had a wagon, everybody could load it up and say, we'll see you when we get there. But, but the sons of Kohath, they had to have some, they had to get in step. They had to get in sync. They had to bear the burden together. But because they were bearing the burden together, they got there at the same time, carrying the work of God forward. It may be slow. It may be inglorious. It may be dusty. It may have sweat involved. But we are in this together because we are carrying the burden of God's glory. And God is going to do his work through us because we are going to work together to accomplish his purpose. The, the name Kohath, it, it means assembly. It means together. His name is said, his name meant, I'm not alone. Say that with me. I am not alone. And, and the beautiful thing about the work of God is that, that the work of God is not intended to be a one-man band or a lone ranger, but God wants us to experience the benefit of fellowship, of faith, that, not, that, that we are in this together. Amen. I am in assembly with my brothers and my sisters in the camp of Kohath. Amen. We may have burdens, but we don't bear these burdens alone. Amen. Amen. You know, if you may remember... There was a season where the Ark of the Covenant was not in the proper position. During the, the, the priesthood of Eli, his sons were of no count. <laughs> and uh, they, they were doing things that God was displeased with. And the Lord determined to judge them. And ultimately others suffered because of this. And they thought they could just take the Ark of the Covenant out in battle in this uh, lucky rabbit's foot of sorts. Our good luck charm. Yeah. The Ark of the Covenant. We can't lose if the Ark of the Covenant is with us. The Bible says they took it out in the battle. But the sons of Eli died in the battle. And that day when Eli found out about it, Eli died. And so it was captured by the Philistines, and it's a long story. But finally, they couldn't handle the Ark of the Covenant, and they sent it back on a card pulled with, with, uh, with uh, heifers that had calves. And, and, and they watched as those heifers carried that cart 
away into the, the to Israel, and they left their 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 calves behind, and they knew it was a supernatural thing because the heifers left their 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 calves. The Bible says, "In lowing as they went, they were sorrowful, leaving." But the Lord uh, put them on assignment. You got to get the ark back to where it belongs. So when it came back into the land of Israel, uh, the it ended up in, in the house of Abinadab. Say with me, Abinadab. Abinadab. And it was in the house of Abinadab through the whole time of, of uh, Samuel being priest and judge. It was in the house of, Samuel, of Abinadab the whole time of the reign of King Saul. And it was in the house of, 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 of Abinadab I believe up until like seven years into the reign of David. Everybody says that's a long time. David understood. I don't know how he understood, but he understood he was not going to truly be blessed till the Ark of the Covenant was in the proper place. Do you know it's possible to be blessed by God but recognize things still aren't quite like they should be? Come on, somebody. You can have a lot of things going right, and you can be experienced in the blessing of the Lord, but something in your heart says, I want to get it a little better. I want to get a little more in alignment with what God, is, God has for my life because I know if I get it all together, amen, I'm going to be even more blessed. Right. I feel like I can preach it. Amen. You know, I think the travesty of the day is there, there, we have been bitten by the curse of convenience. Amen. We, we are bitten by the mentality of I, I, I'm good enough. Uh, you know, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. I'm not where I used to be. And, and there's a tendency to say, well, <clears throat> me and Jesus got our own thing going and, and, and I'm better than I used to be and I are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? And, and, and there's something sometimes I think the devil will whisper in our ears and say, you're good. You're good. It's enough. It's enough. And you look at David. David had a lot. He was doing right. But something inside David said, I want the ark of God to be in the proper position in my life. And so they sent for the ark of the covenant. It was in the house of Abinadab, which he was a Kohathite. His sons were Kohathites. And, and rather than carrying the ark on their shoulders, they found a new cart. They put it on a new cart, and they, 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 they were driving it to Jerusalem. But in the journey of a burden that was never meant to be carried on a wagon, there was a bump in the road. The ark uh, was knocked off balance. Yuza put his hand forward, and God struck him dead. David was devastated. The, the, the ark was sent to the house of Obed-Edom, and then David, David's lament was, how? Can I get the ark of God to me? I'm here trying.